0: This is On the Record, a guide to English law from the team at Glazier Solicitors. Hello, and welcome to On the Record. I'm Bethany Bailey, Glazier Solicitors Business Development and Marketing Manager, and I'm very pleased to have Emma Green with us here. Hello, Emma. How are you? Hi, Bethany. I'm very well. Thank you. This is the fourth episode of our Probate mini series. Hopefully you've listened to the last three because we're going through the probate process. In the last episode, we talked about the steps that it takes to get the grant of representation. And I'm going to be discussing with Emma about what happens next. So Emma, what does happen next? Is it just like I get money in the bank and we get to close everything out or, or are there other things that need to happen?
1: I'm glad that the, the mini series that we're doing is, is covering this off because lots of people talk about getting your grant and, and having it issued. And then we get lots of questions from both our clients, whether they're personal representatives or questions from the beneficiaries of the estates, particularly if the beneficiaries haven't been involved in the process so far. And what they're looking to find out is what happens next. So we thought we'd use this episode to address some of the more common questions we get asked about how we progress the administration of the estate and bring it to an end. We do sometimes find that beneficiaries think that once we've received the grant of representation from the probate registry, we should be able to pay the legacies that are, are due out to them straight away. And we also wish it was that easy. But unfortunately, there is a process that we need to to go through. Just recapping on the, the previous episode where Charlotte talked about the grant and how you obtain it. The grant provides the executors or administrators with their authority to cash in the estate's assets. Now the assets can be cash assets, it can be property, It can be shares and it also includes all the personal items that belonged to the deceased. So, what we now need to do once we've got the the grant on our desks is to contact all of the, the asset providers, so banks and investment managers, share registrars, and we lodge a copy of that grant of representation with them. So, that proves to them that the personal representatives have authority to give them instructions. We can then arrange via the asset providers to transfer assets. So, you know, beneficiaries can have the option to have shares transferred to them. If they'd rather not have the cash, they can keep the the shares in a current form. We'll ask asset providers if we are in cashing assets to calculate final balances for us, credit any interest that's due, and then obviously release that cash balance to a nominated bank account. It's usual at this stage for the solicitor's firm to begin receiving those payments. Banks and asset providers usually have no problem paying into a solicitor's client account. It can take some time to go through this process. We're dealing with any number of different companies and depending on how complicated the estate is, I could be dealing with one or two banks or I could be dealing with, you know, 20 plus different institutions. They're all going to have their own processes and timescales. They're going to want us to go through their identification requirements, complete any closure authorities. If there's a property within the estate, there'll need to be some decisions made about what we're doing with the property. Are we transferring it to the beneficiaries, in which case we need to make changes to the title at the land registry? Um, Are we Uh, Putting it on the market, and we're going to sell it and then split the sale proceeds. In which case, there'll be a marketing period via an estate agent or there'll be an auction process to go through. So, all of these things are going to take time. We also have to make sure that we account to HMRC for any income tax or capital gains tax that arises during the administration period. So, all of these things need to be done before we can start to think about paying any money out to the named beneficiaries
0: so you've mentioned assets and you've mentioned tax i assume there's debts in there as well when somebody passes away are they forgiven do they have to be settled so what's the process if debts are left over
1: I would say that arguably this is one of the most important parts of the estate administration process because ultimately all of the beneficiaries, whether they be beneficiaries under the will or beneficiaries via the intestacy rules, will expect to receive their legacies free of any responsibility for outstanding debts. So the personal representatives will go through a process of making sure that all the debts have been settled before they hand any money over. Now, obviously, debts come in all shapes and sizes. When we deal with the debts of an estate, we're usually looking at mortgages, outstanding balances on credit cards. There's If there's a property, we would usually find that there's small utility payments that are due. The deceased might have had a, a loan that they were in the middle of paying even to the extent where we have to look to their pension providers and also the DWP to make sure that there haven't been any overpayments. So obviously, sometimes payments can go into the deceased's bank account before everybody's been notified and some of those payments will will need to be returned. It's important for the personal representatives to take steps to protect themselves from any personal liability, because Ultimately, the estate is responsible for settling those debts. And what the executors don't want to do is, is take on that liability themselves. Hopefully, during the earlier stages of the administration, we've placed what we call Section 27 notices. So they get placed in local newspapers where the deceased lived and also in the Gazette. These notices alert anyone who thinks that they have an outstanding debt and asks them to contact either the personal representatives or the solicitors who are dealing with the estate. So hopefully by the time we have the grant, we've usually got a pretty accurate picture of what liabilities are there and what's going to need to be paid off. So the good news is that the personal representatives aren't responsible for paying off the debts out of their own pockets. The estate is responsible for its own debts and the personal representatives just need to make sure they arrange to pay them as soon as possible once they have access to estate funds. It's probably worth noting at this point that we do occasionally come across estates that are insolvent. So an estate's insolvent if it's got more debts than it has assets. And the best thing that the personal representatives can do in that case is get in contact with all of the creditors, liaise with them to try to come to an agreement as to how the debts that are there can best be settled with what's available. The law does dictate the order in which debts should be paid and so personal representatives do need to be alert to the fact that some debts will take precedence over others and some might be secured. So, for example, uh, if there's a property, a mortgage is secured against that particular asset. So some are secured against assets, some will just be personal debts. But the, the takeaway from this is that creditors should be contacted as soon as possible, so that you can start that communication with them and work out what they're going to require from the estate at that stage. In the majority of cases, though, debts can be cleared, it does tend to be on the very rare occasions that we'll come across insolvent estates. All that the personal representatives are doing then is going through a process of making payments for the debt and then asking creditors to confirm that there's nothing further outstanding so that the personal representatives can move on and start dealing with legacies.
0: When you were talking about assets, you talked about houses and bank accounts and shares and things like that. What happens to a deceased's personal items?
1: How we administer personal items very much depends on whether the estate is intestate or whether there is a will. If the estate is being administered as an intestate estate, the deceased's personal items will either pass to their spouse or if they don't have a spouse, the items are gifted to those relatives who are entitled so that might be their children or more distant relatives depending on the rules in that situation. If however the person who's passed away has left a will the personal items will be distributed in accordance with the terms of that will and the testator's wishes. Personal items can usually be dealt with fairly early on in the administration process They are valued initially for the purposes of the tax return, but then they can be gifted out either to the individual who's entitled to them under the terms of the will or the personal items will fall into residue and be distributed amongst the residuary beneficiaries. The residuary beneficiaries have two options. Either they can have the items divided amongst them in the relevant proportions, or the items can be sold and the residuary beneficiaries can receive the cash value. Not all items within a deceased estate will have a monetary value, some items are always going to be sentimental. In the case of sentimental items, usually the beneficiaries will agree between themselves as to who receives what. If there is a dispute, then you would look to the personal representatives then to decide the division between the beneficiaries.
0: I'm just thinking now, after you said that, let's say I was a beneficiary. What would be my entitlement under the terms of the will?
1: Your entitlement under the terms of a will will usually fall into one of three categories. So broadly speaking, you'll either be in receipt of a specific legacy, a pecuniary legacy, or a residuary legacy. So a specific legacy is a gift of a particular item or a property. So for example, it could be a car, it could be all of the deceased's jewellery would be a specific legacy or it could be their house. Um, it may have a monetary value. It may just have sentimental value, but it's it's an object or a thing that you can take. The key with this kind of gift is going to be how it's been worded within the will. It's really important with this type of gift that the description provided is as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. In terms of the actual administration of the legacy, the executor will need to ensure that they've done everything that they need to do to pass the legal title of the item over to the new owner. So that might include changing the title at the land registry if it's a house, dealing with the DVLA and registration documents if it's a car, or it might just be ensuring that a beneficiary receives all the jewellery safely. There can be issues with this type of gift, particularly if the testator's assets have changed prior to death. So they don't perhaps own a particular item on the day that they died, because, for example, they sold a car six months before they passed away. But the will might refer to a particular car that they had owned and it is possible for this type of gift to fail if the testator no longer owns the asset but the key here is in how the gift is worded so if you're in any doubt obviously always go and seek a solicitor's advice provide them with a copy of the will and a bit of background to the matter and they can help you to interpret the terms of the will following someone's death. The Second type of legacy is a pecuniary legacy. And this is just another way to describe a cash legacy. So it could be £1,000 to Bethany Bailey, or it could be £1,000 to each of my children or grandchildren. If the estate is solvent, this kind of legacy is likely to be paid as soon as the personal representatives have access to funds, because it's easy to work out how much goes to each person. It should be clear from the terms of the will. In order to administer the legacy properly, we just need to keep details of any payments that are made out and ask the beneficiary to acknowledge that they've safely received the funds. Once we've dealt with specific and pecuniary legacies, The will will then say who is to receive the rest of the estate and that's your residuary legatees. This means everything else that we've got in the estate and is usually divided in percentage shares between individuals, charities or classes of people. So, for example, 50% of the residuary estate to be divided equally between my children, or 25% of the estate for my grandchildren equally. This type of legacy can only be calculated once all of the administration has been completed, because it's at that point that we will know what exactly is left. So we need to have dealt with everybody else's legacies, we need to have paid off all the debts, and we need to have cashed everything with interest, and paid any taxes that are due, because only then will we know what we've got to divide up. Residuary beneficiaries should expect at the end of the estate administration to receive a full set of estate accounts. That should start with the estate as it looked on the date of death, it should deal with all payments in, all payments out, and give a distribution account at the end showing how the personal representatives have divided up the estate and what their legacy will be and this is just so that the residuary beneficiaries can be satisfied that the payment they're actually going to receive is their full entitlement under the terms of the will there are other interests that people can have within an estate uh, and which can be relevant where trusts are involved But I think I will leave that particular topic to my colleague, Chris, who I know is going to go into more detail on trusts and estate administration in future episodes.
0: Curveball question, because I feel like it's something that only happens in films or on TV. Let's say in the will, your Auntie Jane left you her most prized vase, and it's not the sort of thing that you quite like. What happens if you don't want your legacy? Is there anything you can do?
1: It's it's not an unusual question. There are a multitude of reasons why a person might decide that they don't want to accept a legacy. I would say if the vase is not to your taste, I'd probably take it and then maybe try and sell it on. Fair, <laughs> but, that's fair, yes. <laughs> but if there is a reason why you don't want to receive, for example, you might be a residuary beneficiary, you might be set to inherit a third of your late mother's estate. And you may decide that you don't want that extra cash for any number of reasons. But whatever the reason behind your decision, there are a couple of ways which you can change your entitlement to an estate. The first option is to simply disclaim the legacy in its entirety. So if the beneficiary were to choose this method, they would simply sign a document to confirm that they don't intend to take receipt of the legacy. And then we would look to the terms of the will or the intestacy rules to figure out who would receive the gift instead. So the beneficiary has no further control over it other than saying they don't want it. The other option is for the beneficiary to enter into a deed of variation. So this means that they've decided they don't want the gift for themselves, but they would like to pass it on to somebody of their choosing. They may decide that they don't want it, but they want their children to have it or their grandchildren to have it instead. So this method allows them to decide who receives that gift. And it can also be used to ensure that any tax consequences that are linked to that particular gift are the responsibility of the estate and not of the beneficiary that has elected to give it to somebody else. It is a fairly complex area, but it is something that does happen occasionally. We would always advise a beneficiary who is considering not accepting a legacy, to get some legal advice so that they can be talked through the options that are available to them. It's going to be important that we know a bit about the beneficiary's background and their own personal circumstances, and it might also be necessary for them to get some financial advice or tax advice when they consider giving up their inheritance. We need to make sure that the beneficiary is fully informed and that they're aware of the consequences of not accepting their inheritance. It is particularly important if either the old beneficiary or the new beneficiary are in receipt of any sort of means-tested benefits, or they get any sort of financial assistance from the local authority or if there are particular tax reasons for changing the gift and it's just so that we can ensure that what they propose to do is going to have the effect that they intend it's important to tell either the solicitor who's dealing with the estate or at the very least the personal representatives as soon as possible if you decide that you're not going to accept a legacy as there may be some time scales that we have to adhere to to make the gift effective.
0: Well this has been great, I feel like it's given quite a bit of perspective in terms of what else has to happen once the grant of representation has been received. It's a question that I have asked at the very end of every single one of these. Is there one takeaway that our listeners should really remember if they are about to be at this stage of the process or something that they are dealing with at the moment?
1: There are a couple of things I would encourage people to remember at this stage of the process. The first one being that it does take time especially if you want things done properly. There is reliance on other third parties that are involved in the process. And I think the other thing to be aware of is that if you're informed that you are due to be in receipt of an inheritance, it's an appropriate time to have a think about your own circumstances and how this inheritance will affect your own personal finances. You might have your own estate planning in place and if it's a large inheritance, it may have quite a significant effect on the plans that you've already made. So it is often a good time to review your own will and get some advice and see if there's anything in there that needs to be updated, because it's a a change in your circumstances. And we'd always advise people to review their affairs when something significant like the receipt of an inheritance happens.
0: For people that put it off, and I I put my hand up there, maybe start thinking about planning for that stuff. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. You've really given us a lot to think about. And like I said, put stuff in perspective for the the long term process that this process really is. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Bethany.